0: Well, hello there, everybody, and welcome once again to Around the World in 80 Cigars with me, Nick Hammond. Uh, today, I have a guest with me um, and a friend who's a managing director of one of the world's great cigar stores. Now, this, uh, this famous old place is part of his family business, very much a family affair. And I've had the pleasure of uh, his company and his brother's company. Um, on several occasions, not least in Havana last year, Um, I think it was last year, time means nothing these days does it, Uh, where we certainly saw the sights and had some fun Um, and you can read about some of those, certainly not all, in my book Um, but today my guest is Mr Robert Fox, how are you Rob?
1: I'm very good from, thanks Nick, how are you?
0: Very good, lovely to hear from you, Uh, live from Dublin, trying to escape from the kids aren't you?
1: That's right, uh, working from home, you've got <laughs> the challenges that it um, creates, but no, um, we're, all, uh, we're all safe and well here, um, and we're just trying to get used to remote working and keeping the show on the road.
0: Yeah, absolutely,
1: so of course, if you haven't worked it out already, we're talking about James J.
0: Fox, JJ Fox on St. James's Street, London, very famous old store, reputedly the oldest in the world, uh, 225 years Rob, or is it
1: more yes. than that? 1787
0: so 1787. Yeah.
1: okay yeah i'll do the maths later yeah <laughs> <laughs> um i
0: suppose it would be helpful for listeners who um who are all over the world so some many of them will know about you but many won't so let's just um let's find out a bit about i guess the history of the shop and then perhaps we'll talk a little bit about your um company and then how it's come to be but um and how you came to be involved but yeah. uh, the shop itself is 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 an amazing mecca, really, isn't it? Can you just sort of give us a very, you know, top line view of of what it is and where it is and why it's become such an important place?
1: Yeah, it's um so 19 St James's Street has um it's it's a store uh, in the heart of London, um, just around the corner from the Ritz Hotel. Yeah. Um, it's been it's been. Before, so we bought that shop on my family business. uh, James J. Fox was established in 1881 in in Dublin, Ireland. And just after World War II, my grandfather Freddie Fox expanded the business from Dublin to include stores in London. And we started in Old Bond Street, and then moved to Burlington Gardens. And business was good. We purchased. Robert Lewis Cigar Merchants on St. James Street in the very early 1990s. Right. We moved, we closed our store in Burlington Gardens and we moved into, uh, we moved our operations into uh, 19 St. James Street. And it's an old school uh, cigar merchant. We have walk-in humidor on the ground floor level. We have a museum in the basement and we have a sampling room on the first floor so that's what we do in 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 st james's street
0: and you say a museum people will say well that sounds a bit strange but um the reason for that is for a because of sort of some of the, the lovely old memorabilia and and cigar related stuff you have there but also because some of your clients were world world famous names of course not least than um, the great man himself so Winston Churchill was a customer wasn't he
1: that's right yes we have quite a lot of um, correspondence between um, sort of Churchill and, and the business um, we have his ledgers showing the kind of volume of cigars that he was buying and smoking hmm right. was it was it substantial oh it's crazy crazy numbers <laughs> like, really you no know, that the, the they, it's 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 like the star Wars film it's all true um, <laughs> he, he, um but actually, what I find really nice about his um his his cigar smoking behavior was that it's very it was very back then it was very similar to what it is now and wow. that was un- unusual back then uh people would have been uh much more loyal to a single brand or vitola true Whereas he was an explorer, um, he was trying different products, um, he was um, uh, smoking different cigars on a daily basis, in the same way as as today there's a much bigger focus on trying the thing that you haven't tried as opposed to the thing. Mm. You know, um, so that was quite nice to see in the in the in the figures. Um, now I, I won't, I, I can't claim to say that Churchill was. We had an exclusive arrangement with him. He was the man who who, who did business with a lot of different. Uh, uh,
0: but that's that's quite interesting, isn't it? Because that's quite a telling thing about the man as well. He he wasn't satisfied with being just another customer who smoked Cuban cigars. He thought, I'll try everything, and that sums him up really, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think um, I think everybody again, it reflects today's society um, quite well, in that people have relationships with a number of different cigar merchants, because each each merchant might have a different area of focus or a different area of specialism. Um, so he. I'm not sure what it was what was the case with his other um, hobbies and interests and purchasing decisions, but he he certainly um, he would have bought the cigar uh, based on the cigar and the recommendation, and 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 didn't necessarily just stay exclusive to one uh, merchant.
0: Mm. Was it all? big stuff like, you know, what we would call Churchill sizes?
1: No, 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 it wasn't. He was, he was definitely exploring different sizes. Um, you know, there was, he would be, he was, you know, the, the Churchill size cigar wouldn't have been, um, wouldn't have been stand out in his selections. He would have been smoking a lot of, um, perfecto style cigars, um, smaller cigars. Uh, one of the things he, he, he it, it was actually probably reflective of the, the range that was available back then. It was more in cabinets. <laughs> More in, in in cabinets of um, uh, 50s and 25s than in dress boxes, but that was just because that was really how cigars were presented um, back then. Okay. Um, and what other? I know
0: that you also, another customer was the legendary uh, Oscar Wilde, who. That's right. Has- I think yeah. he left a little debt, didn't he? Just he did. he did. Yeah,
1: we we have a court a court um, judgment against him to uh, for for a bad debt on his bankruptcy. Um, so, but um, there you go. There's little bits, pieces, bits and pieces. I mean, there was a the, the when we um, when we bought that Robert Lewis business, it Robert Lewis at the time was actually it had acquired a number of businesses over the years so within that business now there's i think there's seven different royal warrants dating back um hundreds of years with different kings and queens and um, wow and, uh, and princes so it is quite quite extraordinary the the heritage and and history that's that's wrapped up into that um, premises it's uh, it is
0: yeah, it, and one of the things people love to do is go and sit in repeatedly Churchill's favorite chair is that sort of a
1: that's right. No, it is. It, that was the chair. He sat in when he was selecting his cigars. Um, now we've, we've, we've refurbished it. It's been sat in so many bloody times, but, um, it is the, it is the Photoshop, um, uh, photograph that people take in the museum. The yeah. chair is still there. His ledges are still there. Um, and then there's, there's other old, some of the old Fox selection cigars, um, are in the museum. Um, different anecdotes about how different brands. That were established over the, over the centuries and how they came about. That's that all that kind of tributes are, are are there for that. So it's um, it's just a nice thing to have to hold on. I mean, in today's age, people are very quick to, to throw records out and to shred stuff and to you know GDPR and all that. I mean, mm. um, it's lovely to be able to see an old fashioned heavy ledger that's been handwritten over the course of a number of years and uh, the records are. Are, are, are really special to see. I mean, that, that is, uh, it is quite amazing.
0: And presumably, back in those days, foxes would have had their own cigars made, would they?
1: Um, well, there would have been a tradition from Cuba, this would have been pre-1990s, where retailers would have had a closer relationship with the <laughs> Cuban industry. And right. retailers would have had house cigars so for example the Stratford house cigar that we smoked in Havana together Oh, yeah that would have been a cigar that a, a, a merchant in, in London or a club as the case may have been um, would have arranged for an um, exclusive production um, am I right in saying that was a Particus Stratford house Nick I can't uh,
0: That's a very good question I think it was an upman, wasn't it? I'll have to double check that but, yeah um, but the,
1: the point it, being the, the point being that the big brands would have done um special boutique uh productions for a much wider range of um, of merchants than they do now that those house cigars were discontinued our last consignment came in in the mid 1990s right the, they were discontinued across the world and replaced and well not officially replaced but the next thing that hit the shelves were the limited editions so Habanos took that um concept in-house if you like um yeah and
0: just for those who haven't read the book yet um that was it that's actually the whole thing makes a bit of a chapter in the book but the story was and this was completely you know serendipity but we sat and had lunch in that lovely Italian place in Havana and uh And you pulled out a box of cigars from like 1950 or something, wasn't That's
1: it? That's right. That's
0: right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which is, you know, just incredible. And then she said, look, I've brought these. Let's give them a try. And I grabbed the box tried, and looked at the date. And of course, it was, um, it was all sort of back in code and whatever. And so I couldn't really work it out. But you had done that work and worked out. It was roughly from the 50s. Um, and, uh, and then on the side, it said, yeah, I think it was an Upman, but I can't recall without checking, Stratford House. Um, and as you say, this was, it would have been one of the customers of 19 St. James's would have been various, you know, establishments, hotels, clubs, restaurants. And they would, through through them, get their cigars, you know, Cuban cigars made and branded for them. And it said Stratford House. And I, and I happened to know that Stratford House is uh, where the Oriental Club is based in London. Um, and nobody else in Cuba would have possibly known that, I suspect. No. And so it happened by sheer chance that these cigars had been made in Cuba, shipped to England for use in the Oriental Club, had made their way back into the keeps of foxes where they'd lain for 50 years or something, and then we'd brought them back to Cuba. So it was just a wonderful thing, wasn't
1: it? It was beautiful. Yeah,
0: really Yeah, nice. it's just remarkable. But that's the sort of thing you're dealing with when you have that much heritage i mean are, is there still stuff that you haven't really gone through and know what it, it is yet
1: yeah there would be well not so much good not know what it is but there's we hold uh in in london and in dublin we hold a lot of cigars on behalf of clients and those clients date back um, decades so there's a huge um uh, volume of cigars of vintage cigars that are, are held on behalf of clients, and every now and again, uh, we we purchase back from the clients to allow us reoffer those cigars into the market, and that's, that's when we, and that's when we come across the really special stuff.
0: And I know you've said to me before that you know clients that have had were clients for years and have had stuff with you for a, you know long long time boxes and boxes and boxes of you know either disappeared died gone away forgotten and you've been left with stuff that you and you can't get in touch with these people and and instead of sort of instead of holding on to it and then selling it on the open market um you just hold it and have done for decades haven't you yeah
1: yes we have um every now and again we take a view and if there's a client that is long gone and untraceable we will actually sell the scars yeah. Uh, but we'll record down um, that the the transaction happened on the basis that we don't think the cigars are going to get any better or any higher in value. And,
0: okay. Uh,
1: and we will and mark it down. If that we don't record that as profit, we record that as a liability. So, but it is um, a uh, something that you kind of have to do. You're guardians. You've an ownership. You've you've a responsibility over the cigars. A um, duty of care, and if. Uh, if that decision wasn't uh, to the liking of the client, well, that's um, a problem. Or the client's successors—that that will cause a problem. But it is what we think is the right decision at the time.
0: But you do have on occasion, <laughs> grandsons, long-lost relatives turning up saying, "I think my granddad had a."
1: Yeah, we have. We've had people walk in and then walk out absolutely stunned, with a box of cigars under their arms, because <laughs> <laughs> because it was there and we had the records and it was still still there. Yeah. Amazing that's yeah. just a lovely story that that still exists
0: yeah um and of course as well as um as having the, uh, the jj's fox uh, shop there you you also operate the uh the cigar operations in both harrods and selfridges and maybe we should just talk about that briefly um how does that work
1: yeah so we um um and again in the 1990s we harrods and selfridges would have run their own tobacco departments yeah, and the decision that they made—the decision that they would um, that they were better off, um, I suppose, uh, appointing a, a concessionaire to run a department rather than running it themselves. Um, so we we took in um, operations in Harrods and in Selfridges uh, to run their cigar departments for them as a concessionaire, so we're, we're like uh, any other concession now in, in Harrods and which is where, actually, believe it or not, we're the longest continuous serving concessionaire in Harrods.
0: Is that right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And since, um, and recently, or relatively recently, in the last couple of years, um, Harrods has undergone, a, a, you know, a huge makeover, and particularly the cigar yes. stairs, and now you have this amazing sampling room in the sort of bowels of Harrods. Which that's is right. beautiful, and um you'd think it would be the worst possible place to have a sampling lounge because you'd think it would you know the, or the cigar smoke would reach to the very top floor, but they have invested in this extraordinary extraction system, haven't they
1: that's right it was it was obviously you can't have smoke in a department store, but you are allowed to sample a cigar in a in a cigar merchant, so yeah, cards management and ourselves worked long and hard to identify the regulatory environment under which we would operate a uh, sampling lounge Um, and the key the key was actually extraction because as you say leaking cigar smoke onto the shop floor when someone's browsing through women's fashion that just (laughs) wasn't wasn't a runner so we um, we put in a a system arkel system which basically supplies fresh air from the floor yeah, really, uh, perforated floor and extracts it out the ceiling, um, so you've pretty much got a continuous draft from floor to ceiling, emptying the cigar room or the sampling room of its um, of its air and replacing it every every minute or so. Mm-hmm. So it actually was tested well at the very start. We opened up and and within about two hours of the first sampling, we had management running down in a panic, closing us um oh lord Lord. yeah they but it was good because it was we we have to have negative pressure as well because the when you open the door it we have to make sure that the the air goes in as opposed to comes out
0: uh right okay
1: Um, but the issue the 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 problem was actually in a in a in a in a duct about 30 meters from our our store um there was a leak in the duct so Um. um so that was that we fixed it up and um and, and got back in action so it was all good yeah it's an
0: amazing system i can report having been there that you know you, you walk into the room and you would never know a cigar had been smoked in it and uh and that system's amazing because it has these tiny little holes in the floor and in the ceiling doesn't it where it yeah. sort of pipes fresh air and smoke to and from and uh and you and of course you can do that funny thing with a sheet of a4 and push it across the floor and it glides all the way across the floor, doesn't it? Like magic. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> kept yeah. me entertained with my tiny brain. Um uh, Selfridges. Tell us about Selfridges. Yeah.
1: yeah, Selfridges, we have a good um relationship with Selfridges. Um obviously at the moment our relationship with both of them is very difficult because we're closed because of yes. the COVID nineteen pandemic. Of course. Um but no, we're long term tenants both in both department stores and we we actually work together in collaboration with our partners. So so our job is to is to make sure that suffrage's customers and harrod's customers are happy from a cigar and a pipe tobacco perspective um so as long as we keep doing that and um and we do it as well as anybody can then um the departments store management are happy they get paid a rent as opposed to a a margin and um that's the way it works
0: um yes because of the very businesses that they are then you know a huge percentage of your business is in fact tourism isn't it
1: yeah it is yeah, yeah and that's so so we are entering into a very difficult period now because yeah, without maybe. um without airlines we won't have tourism um but you know it's um it's a new normal um in business you need to find out what the rules are and play the game Yeah. Um well, the rules are changing very, very quickly, That's, I suppose, is what can be said about that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, well, as you say, there's no point crying over spilt milk. You've just got to try and roll with it, haven't you?
1: Exactly, yeah.
0: Easier said than done, I'm sure. But um, And let's talk about Cuba then. I mean, you go there at least once a year, if not twice, don't you?
1: Yeah, there's two big festivals in Havana that we like to attend. The, F- the Habanos Festival in February and the Particus Festival in November.
0: Which uh, is your favorite um,
1: I don't know. Different, they're, they're quite different in style. The, the, the Particus Festival would be quite casual and relaxed. Um, we know the guys in, in, um, in the Particus mm. shop quite well. Uh, they're good friends so it's very very nice just to to hang out and it's much more that festival is much more consumer orientated yeah um the february festival is the main habanos one which is much more distributor focused um and a little bit more formal um so depends on if from a business perspective and a supplier's perspective i would get more done in february Really? from a business and customer perspective, I'd get more done in November. Um, so really, I think the November one's a little bit better from a, a relaxing perspective, because it's, uh, what are you going to do? Have a cigar, have a rum?
0: Yeah. Uh, a <laughs> it's, um, I agree. I mean, having been there with you for the Particus Festival on one occasion, yeah, I mean, that, that would be my pick, I have to say. Um, yeah. Everyone is a bit more chilled, uh, the, everyone's up for a good time. It's a lovely time to go as well, isn't it? Because it's usually pretty crap here, um, yeah. and that welcome dose of sun and and, uh, and and a rum and a cigar sitting by the sea is uh, is not to be sniffed at, is it? I mean, and because you've been going now for many years, um, you've got a team team of people on the ground and people who you know know you and you know them and you know the places to go. You've made the mistakes, as it were. Yeah. Um, and so it's a, well, it's a case.
1: It's actually more a case of having the confidence to do to go out um, and right. to explore. Um, but when we started going, we were very much hotel-based and staying in hotels and following the plan of the festival. Um, yeah. Now we've gotten to know some people in Cuba very well. Um, we we stay in houses with families and we it's 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 i hope none of my shareholders are listening but it's it's a little bit more um relaxed and fun as opposed to the way it, it was previously um, <laughs> and so, so that's
0: a good shout actually i mean what what advice would you give to a first time um, traveler to havana who wants to obviously see a bit of the town as anyone would but who's really interested in the cigar scene um and wants to sort of get off the beaten track and not just go on another tour trip to you know a another factory you know how would you advise them
1: i would i think the thing i'd say to them first up is if they're nervous is that havana is one of the safest places i've ever been and i'm very well traveled i i i have never felt um in any way threatened in havana right um so it's it is safe um the other thing i'd say is do quite a bit of research before you go because there are a a lot of shops um and there's a a quite a big difference between um the people and the selections and the styles of the shops um and i would say research the, the the opportunity to 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 learn about the different shops and what they offer online it's endless how much information is available yeah and i'd explore um I, I I'd, I'd explore, download a a, a map, um, pick up a Spanish phrase book, and and go out. Um, th- it is a very safe place to do that. And um, don't buy cigars off the street.
0: No, of course, fate, fatal mistake. Have you got a favourite um, cigar shop?
1: Oh, I think the, the, there's a couple. Of, uh, one favourite one, I, I I I I have to say the Parker shop. Right um, by the Capitola building. Um, there's a couple of other nice ones. I love the um, the 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 shop in the Conde de la Villanueva. That's good. Oh yeah. Um, there's Enrique Monza's old shop on. Um, oh, well, the, Club the Club Havana. shop. That's good. Yeah. Um, there's the La Casa de on, at um, at uh, is it Fifth and Sixteenth? Yes. Um, again, I just, just really, all of them have their different little styles. The, the, shop and the Amelia, not the Amelia, the Habana Libre. I, I love that one too. Or Vivian at the Amelia Cohiba. There's a couple of different. Um,
0: yeah, different you know. shops actually. Yeah. Now you mention it, and then you're right. They all have their own personalities, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. If you were, if anyone was going there to bring back, which yeah. obviously, uh what people do on occasion, bring back their box or two of two cigars. Would you? Yeah. I mean, how would you best advise them? Is it best to grab a box that they love or should they be tempted to try um, some sticks from one of the rollers? uh...
1: Well, it's, it's, it's depends. So I, when I'm there, the the cigars I like to buy are the ones that I can't buy here. Yeah. Yeah. So I love the farm cigars or the, the house roller cigars, which is a very unique thing in, in Havana where each of the shops has a roller rolling cigars. And, they have their own blends, their own styles and sizes. Um, I really enjoy trying those. Um, I, lo- I love the farm cigars that are made out in in Nardal Rio. Um, yeah, and we got some fantastic uh, quality blends and um, and styles. Uh, so I just like exploring those different ones because we can't we can't get them. Um, after that, the range that's available. In the shops in the Havana's range is is largely similar to to what you'd see in the shop anywhere in the world mm. um, Obviously the Cuban regionals are um, exclusive to Cuba and those wouldn't those would be pretty well sought after after that it's it's difficult because as Havana has well in recent years had become very very popular place for um, for people to visit so the more people, the more buyers, the more the more um, sales for the shops, and the less inventory that's on the shelves. So you you know there wouldn't be any easy pickings as to as to what might be very rare or unusual. You'd have, uh, to would face the same uh, supply constraints as as cigar yeah. merchants are, are facing generally.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, and before we move on from Havana, favourite night spot? Uh. <laughs>
1: um the one place that you have to visit that that everybody in Havana has to visit is the Fabrique de Arte Cubana oh yeah big old um um factory which is a combination of night venues bars restaurants nightclubs live (laughs) music and an art museum at the same time um (laughs) And it's just an extraordinary um, blend of um, culture and people. A really, really impressive place. So that would be high up there on my list.
0: Presumably you've got a lot of friends out there now, haven't you?
1: Yeah, we've got a, got, a, got a, quite a few. Um, seeing people over the years, um, some of them who were previously in the industry and we've kept in touch with. yeah. And then just because we're there on a regular basis, you get to you get to know people. Um, so yeah,
0: they're lovely folks.
1: Yeah, they're good. They're good. Um, the one guy in particular who who would help with people um, if if they were nervous about being in Havana for the first time and we're going from mm. our perspective would be Jose Antonio Candia.
0: Oh, bless him! Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um. He'd be able to. <clears throat> show people the 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 different um sides of the industry um whether it's a shop tour or a or a factory visit he'd be able to organize that so it's a so it's he's a useful guy to have
0: yeah that's a good shout so uh, he is a lovely man as well isn't he um very good so folks were thinking of going wanted a bit of advice and wanted to get in touch with him they could do that through yourselves could they
1: absolutely no problem yeah yeah
0: brilliant okay well that's useful for pod listeners. Let's tell us a bit about the family business, Rob. Um, you're in Dublin, and of course, there's the fantastic shop on Grafton Street there, and again, has its own history and, and nuances and amazing stock. Tell us a bit. I mean, you have your fingers in other pies in other parts of businesses, don't you? you own Fox um, Cigars are only a, a pretty small part of it, really, aren't they?
1: Yeah. So, so, but in in it started with retail in Dublin and. As I said, my grandfather um, expanded retail into London. Yeah. But he, he also went back the supply chain. And as a retailer, as a successful retailer, he needed to buy a wider range and a deeper range of products than was available on the market. So he started importing his um, tobacco products for the shop in Dublin. And once we were importing, we started wholesaling. So we started um, supplying other um, retail outlets with tobacco products, and and that kind of grew into an important distribution business, which is located in Dublin. Right. Um, we did the same thing in uh, in Jersey in the Channel Islands. We we saw a business that was very similar to the important wholesale business we had in Ireland. So we. We acquired that in the nineteen seventies, um, so that's where my brother Stuart lives and works. He yeah, important distribution, and and from there we've um, we've kind of grown into other areas of business too. We've, uh, we've a property management business in in the south of England and other bits and pieces like that. So. Mm-hmm it's a a kind of as you would expect we're fifth generation shirt and i are fifth generation um in the fox family and the business has been successful over the years so it's growing which fits cigars beautifully doesn't it because
0: so much of it is about family and relationships and uh, dynasties and and i particularly remember i was thinking about the uh, our interview and just thinking of things to talk to you about and I, I remember particularly the 225th anniversary or whatever it was 220th now i can't remember <clears throat> excuse me when um your mum and dad were there yeah. <clears throat> joe and uh jose uh, george padron was there uh, he made the cigar for you and i remember you know i just remember the seeing the sort of pride of in your mum and dad's face when this was all going on and uh, and that just fits beautifully into the Into the whole ethos of the cigar world doesn't it
1: yeah it is very very social which is wonderful for 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 me um being immersed in it um that business is done on relationships so um yeah i remember that 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 day jorge padron um was there yeah he had made the the 225th anniversary cigar for us
0: that's right
1: and it was um yeah the family were there it was great um it was nice my father has since passed away um but it was nice that he saw um the 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 tributes i suppose for um uh for as we mark uh, we you know marking moments in time uh whether it's a, a 225th anniversary or or or, or what have you, it's, uh, it was nice for him to see
0: yeah it's important isn't it and i and at the time you might be Inclined to think, is it worth doing it? It's a bit of a pain in the neck. It costs us money. It, actually, practically, is it worth it? But in hindsight, you know, as you say, you look back now. Your dad's not with you anymore, but he did see that, and he saw you boys involved with it. When must have given him great pride. Yep. Saw that you know a lifetime's work meaning something. So these things do mean something in the long run, don't they?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And it's those. I think it's those bits. Um, bits and pieces around the edges, which actually define um, define you from a from an organisational perspective. Um, so it's it's. Uh, I think they're very important. The little ceremonies, the little celebrations, and the the little wild goose chases that we all go down every now and again.
0: <laughs> yes, some of us more than others. <laughs> but um, and and of course you and Stuart being. Being from Dublin and being the guys you are, you're very sociable guys anyway. So you can't help but have a good time when you when you're around you. And that that also reminds me. Do you, do you remember the last time we were in Havana and uh, we were on the rooftop of somewhere? I can't even remember where it was listening to the rugby.
1: Oh, the the the, the um, hotel Raquel. Yeah, yeah. Ireland crazy. Ireland beating the All Blacks. Yeah, that was. I, a, that was I a might have
0: after. some um, I might have some audio somewhere on my phone of that that <laughs> you know because it was just a beautiful. Beautiful afternoon, wasn't it? Well, we sat up there. We had well, beers.
1: The was a, it was about. Well, it was about fifteen of us, and we couldn't yes. find. We couldn't find it on the 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 TV. So we we um we we tried to log on to to the to the radio, the uh, the internet radio. To um, that's right, and it was, ah, dropping, it
0: was dropping out, and and it was Ireland were playing the All Blacks. That's oh, of course they were. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, Ireland were beating the All Blacks.
0: Yes, and it was the most extraordinary. So I mean. You know, I love sport, and I'd listen to it, and I would have listened to it with interest. But to the fact to have to be there, be there with the paddies, we were beside themselves yeah. and the, You know, and there was Stuart wandering around with his phone, trying to get the bloody thing to work, and then it would drop out, and. And we were sitting there with cold beers and cigars, and it all went quiet. And we had guys from everywhere, didn't we? And um, we all over.
1: Well, It was actually pretty cool because the, there was a big Australian contingent there, and obviously oh, they- <laughs> Australia will cheer anybody who's playing against the All Blacks. Yes. Um, so uh, yeah, it was one of uh, it was uh, it was with Rob Ayala and Ben Ayala was there too, and some of the friends of Habanos guys. It was uh, it was very very special. Yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. And of course, when the final whistle went. Everybody went absolutely berserk. <laughs> there were a few tears and, oh, and it was just a lovely moment. I'll always remember it, but that's a good uh, good intro because that was the sort of meeting of minds of you and Rob Ayala, wasn't it, that that, uh, that trip?
1: Well, it was one of the meetings. Um, we It was actually Shanghai about two years, 18 months previous to that, that our, okay. our, our business venture um the ideas was a vision of our for our business venture kind of formulated um so we we i've I've been doing um um cigar dinners and kind of cigar tours with uh rob ayala of friends of habanos for a number of years um i'd be coming at it from a, a, a i suppose a british retail perspective He's coming at it from a, uh, a forum. He's, I think Friends of Habanas is one of the largest online forums in the world for handmade cigar and Cuban cigar um, discussion. Yeah, and this, and for those that don't know, this is based in Australia. That's right. He's, he's based in Brisbane, Australia. Um, and so we both see the same market, but we see it from very dis- different positions. Yeah. Um, and we saw an opportunity to, to add value um and we set about trying to s- establish a business to allow cigar collectors um from around the world um, trade buy and sell each other's cigars um so that was uh that's probably two and a half years ago that we started um and we're live a week now so yeah
0: this is this is the new venture between you and rob and and enables people to buy vintage cigars um, that they can't necessarily see. Uh, this is uh, Bond Roberts. So tell us, tell us how this all works.
1: So Bond Roberts auction platform, which allows cigar collectors list their boxes um, to allow other cigar collectors bid and buy those boxes. Um, Bond Roberts acts as the intermediary so we um, we verify the sellers and we collect the funds from the buyers and remit the funds to the sellers um, it's been it started the first um, iteration of the platform was launched in the Friends of Habanos online forum uh, 12 months ago okay. uh, We learned a lot from that um, experience, Um, took those lessons, developed the platform and launched it live in Bond Roberts about a week ago. Um, They, Friends of Vabanos, over the course of their 12 months, they sold about a thousand boxes of cigars at auction. and since we went live, we're probably up at about fifty under Bond Roberts. Okay. Um, so we've over we've over two thousand buyers now and we this week the end of this week we'll be opening the platform up to third party vendors. And we are listing about um about ten boxes per day for auction. But,
0: and this isn't... I mean, cigar auctions aren't anything particularly new. They always used to happen. I mean, Sotheby's, Christie's used to hold them back in the day. And, of course, uh, Mitchell does some on the, uh, through his vintage auction sites. But this is a different way of doing it. And and I know I mean, you were telling me while we were setting this up that you've had to jump through a m- million different hoops to try and get this through. Why, why is it such a difficult thing to nail down?
1: Well, I think it's... Um... There's a lot of different things that are, are difficult. So the, the traditional auctions that you refer to are are lots of boxes being auctioned at a particular point in time with yeah. everybody in a room or people dialing in to, to, to be at that auction. The concept that we have taken is that each box is auctioned itself on its own and that there's um, simultaneous auctions going on for 10 15 20 boxes at a given moment right Um, so each of the listings is listed you can the the vendor can choose whether to do a 24 hour 48 or 72 hour auction um the the difficulty with it is in payment processing and in platform development um these are tobacco is a bad word when it comes to um payment service providers yeah it's a challenge for everybody in our industry not just us um but get, overcoming those challenges to provide for an auction site has been a challenge but it's um we've overcome them um and things are 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 going well we're, we're pleased um the initial figures are good so it's um it's onwards and upwards really um we reckon the market for for so it, i think an important point to note is that it, it we're talking about aged, rare, and vintage cigars. So we're not talking about cigars that are available off the shelf um, in a retail store.
0: Right. Um,
1: it's, it, the, the cigars have to be a minimum three years old or, or uh, rare in that they would be exclusive to one particular region. Um, so um, that puts it at a different kind of price point than a normal uh, <laughs> box off the shelf. Um, sure graduate people would kind of we believe cigar um collectors cigar lovers cigar consumers kind of some will evolve their passion and their interests to a deeper level and that's when they get interested in in aged cigars and and cigars that are are maybe harder to find and this platform um is designed to serve that particular niche of the market
0: so if people are Particularly interested and like to have a look at that. Do they? They need to register, do they? And then they can look at the uh, lots that are currently available. And then I guess coming to sell is a different matter entirely, because you have to then check provenance and things. Yes,
1: exactly. So, so no, you actually don't need to register to to take a look. Um, If you if you you navigate to bondroberts.com, you can see all of the auctions that are in place at a given moment in time. Um, If you wanted to bid then you definitely need to register. Yeah. Um, and if you wanted to sell, we would have to take up references uh, to make sure we knew who you were. Okay. And then once uh, you're registered, we would. what happens is the, the vendor will list a, a, a box for sale and we will check the box uh, from the photographs that are provided and from the, um, the listing process with the database uh, that we have and make sure that we're happy that the box is what it says in the tin. And then once we authorise the auction to start, then the bidding commences.
0: And do you have any involvement in the, the physical moving of the cigars?
1: No. The, at the end of the auction, the buyer and the seller um, engage with each other and yeah. to agree post-auction handling. So for for quite a lot of the cigars that we're currently selling, there, um, the cigars are are located. The boxes are located in our keeps in London and Dublin. Right. So, uh, so quite a few people are collecting them. Um, but in a different circumstance, somebody, a buyer, might want the cigars to be shipped to um, wherever they're wherever they're based. Um, that's for the buyer and the seller to arrange. Um, the buyer needs to make sure that the seller um, can knows how the buyer wants the um the the delivery to be conducted um they get to that agreement they confirm to us that they have agreed and we then process the transaction
0: okay and how long typically
1: the auction three-day auctions is where we're at at the moment yeah yeah there are there is functionality for for buy it now listing where Ah. where some some retailers who use the platform will have multiple boxes of a particular cigar and they put up a buy it now price and if there's three boxes for example then the platform knows that there's three of these boxes available at this price and the buyers are are free to to bid or not bid just buy it now um, for those three boxes
0: excellent that sounds that sounds brilliant. I'll definitely, we'll have a little rootle around. Not that the Hammond millions uh, go very far, I'm afraid, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. I guess in the, the climate that we have, um, you have something new on the march, as it were, and, you know, you've got something out there that's different. And, um, and you know, as we said, you just got to keep trying to find a way to make these things work. And I hope that you do, because it's magnificent old cigar shop yours and the, yours in uh, st james and in Dun- uh, dublin and i've loved and do love to visit them and what you haven't mentioned of course is the great staff you have there um yeah you know they're very special about, i mean the nick and dirk and and george and and uh, philip and you know i mean all of those guys are absolute legends and they you know there's nothing they don't know about cigars really
1: well the the one thing they all have in common is a passion for cigars um yeah and they're they are they're a super team um, they've they now they're really feeling it at the moment we're all trying to to get used to remote working and to to, to maintaining a level of engagement with each other, which is very challenging um, yeah. but they're they're good they're and they're chomping at the bit to get back in and so that we can serve our our customers it's been we're, we're online things are working um from a from a an e-commerce perspective yeah um, but really we need to get back into the shop and we need to to, to see our, our the friendly faces again um,
0: very much so that's a good good point and uh give them all my best i hope that things get up and running as soon as we possibly can and i uh thank you for coming on and look forward to sharing a smoke with you again soon rob
1: i i look forward to that too nick all the best take care bye now
0: bye safe bye, bye, bye well there we are i hope you enjoyed that chat with uh, robert fox jj fox what a top bloke and i love chatting cigars again with him because a whole new perspective on things going on there with the vintage stuff and the sort of romantic view of the keeps um and the amazing stock and i have been lucky enough to have a little peek down there (laughs) and it really is like a sort of Dusty library of stuff with box after box of amazing cigars sitting there with names on there that you'd recognize famous names, politicians, and actors. And it's a, such a special place, that shop. So if you've never been, you really need to. Um, and as soon as you're able, get down there and support them. Well, you've been around the world in 80 cigars with me, Nick Hammond. And of course, I need to tell you that there's a book count. Called Around the World in 80 Cigars, The Travels of an Epicure. It is published by Red Door Press and it's available now in all good bookshops and cigar stores. Uh, you can also buy it and it will be delivered to you wherever you are in the world from nick. Uh, www.nick-hammond.com. Please uh, go online and tell us what you think about the pod we've had some good uh, good, good, responses from you I'm, I'm getting loads of emails from guys saying how about this person that person why don't you interview this I love the pod can you do that keep them coming keep the reviews coming it helps to generate uh, new people looking at it um, and while it's great to hear that you're loving the pod and it's brilliant if you don't, don't tell anyone uh, nobody knows so uh, do me a great favour if you do that thanks for listening you're listening in your thousands and it's a, a really amazing thing for me to think that somebody in Australia Australia or somebody in America is sitting down with a cup of coffee and a smoke and listening to me waffle on I wish you all the best stay safe everybody until next time take care